Welcome to the About Life with Joe podcast. I'm Joe, and your life is about to get better. Please subscribe and enjoy. <laughs> You're even more beautiful. Oh, thank you. Good. How are you? Well, it's a different. It's a different place today. So it's a different. Yes, it's a different, different place. So it's yeah, it's a new space. So yeah. oh, is this is this the first time you're actually recording in this new space? Yeah, wow. yeah. So this is my first time recording. This is our house in Colorado. So this is my first time ever recording here, and it's a really beautiful home. Like there's a lot of light. Oh so, wow! Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah, and it has a really nice view. So, so you're out. In, so you went to Colorado. So yesterday, when I spoke to you in California, right? <laughs> yeah. So what happened was Thursday night. I was like, you know what? I really want to go to Colorado. So I booked a plane ticket Thursday night, and then I left Friday, and then I got here Friday night. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I've never um, been to Colorado. What's it like? It's really nice. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I love it here. I've got the and is your is your family there with you or are you just solo? Yeah. So we're all um well like my mom and my dad are here. My sister is back in California. But yeah. So, so you have one sister? Yeah. Are you the older one or the younger one? I'm the older one. You're the older one. So you're paving the way. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I'm the oldest in my family as well. And um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know any different, right? So I've always yeah. been the oldest. So I don't know, my bossy tendencies, I guess. <laughs> um, so so how long are you going to stay out there for? I was thinking just a week, but I'm thinking more. Right now, I'm thinking like maybe three, four months. <laughs> maybe just, yeah. I don't know, because I, I, it's really beautiful over here. There's great trails. I'm like, why? I, I've been in California all my life so I'm like why not like just stay here for three or four months or whatever um awesome. and can you just ski there yeah. now? what can you ski now no no okay that's yeah. too warm um it's it's like 60 degrees right now so it's not snowing so it's like it's night like a nice breeze Okay, well, that's like yeah. a true Californian. Like, <laughs> I'm from the other coast, so 60 degrees for us means you're putting sun, like you're putting suntan, like your tan. Yeah. <laughs> 60 degrees is like all the convertibles are down. Everybody's like, it's just a whole different. It's just different here. Yeah. Yeah. I love. I love. I've uh, been to California a few times and to different parts, and it's like a whole other world out there. Yeah. Have you ever been out to the East Coast? I have. I've been to New York. I've been to Virginia. But yeah. What did you think? <sighs> Be honest. Um, I I didn't really like it. It was okay. It just wasn't my, I didn't really like it. Yeah. Was it just like too busy or, well, Virginia, I've never been to Virginia, but I've been to, I go to New York all the time, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was about it. I, I just found it kind of um, not too much things to do. And I just didn't really like, I don't know. I just, I, and then New York was really busy. Like it felt very busy energy. So I don't know. I've always been drawn to California or Colorado or like Texas. Like a little somewhere. more chill. Yeah. Yeah. Like your vibe. I like that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I told a little bit, I, I told people, I, I filmed before you got on, I filmed okay. your intro, and okay. I told people that you had uh, your own podcast, so you should share this information so people watching this can, you know, listen to your podcast as well, so tell them yeah. what you. Yeah, so my podcast is The Shit Show of My 20s, so and I created it because I wanted a space for us all to be able to share our shit show moments and our successes. Cause I feel like if we just share the successes, we don't get the full story. So my whole theory is shit show and successes. Like I want them both. Like I want to know them both. I don't want to just know like how you got the, how I just don't want to see the car, but I want to see how you got the car. You know, like, I just don't want to see the outside and like the, the final destination. Like I want to see the road to the final destination. So I just realized that 
And I've been listening to podcasts for years. I've been obsessed with podcasts. I've been obsessed with like Lewis Howes and Ed Milet and all these incredible speakers. And I was like, you know what? If there's any time, it's right now. <laughs> so might as well. And I was furloughed for three months. So I actually created it while I was furloughed. So it was just the right timing. And I was like, you know what? I know if I don't do anything, I'm going to regret not using this time efficiently. So I just went into it and just started. And it's been incredible. I've interviewed over 140 people and it's been amazing. Wow. And you do this all yourself? Yeah, it's all me. It's all you. And all me. Good for you. That is just, first of all, that's so inspiring because I'm going to tell everybody you are only 20 years old. Yeah. So you're just barely in your 20s. You're just starting out in your 20s. Yeah. Girl, I can't wait to talk to you when you're 30. You're going to be like, I don't even know. I don't even know. But there were a couple things when you and I connected and we connected, mm -hmm. we met over Instagram. We don't know each other other than like, I really, I really love what you're doing. And I, you know, as you know, have a passion for young female entrepreneurs. I'm like, that's amazing. I wish I had had the courage in my 20s to become an entrepreneur because it was always what I wanted to be. But I didn't have the opportunity until I was in my late 30s or I shouldn't say opportunity. The opportunity was always there. I never took it. So the fact that you you took the opportunity is just unbelievable. And so we connected over Instagram and I love your content and I just love your energy. And, you know, we had a few messages back and forth. And I can't remember which post it was, but I said to you, hey, I'm doing this entire channel for this exact purpose is to share uh, all of my experiences to help you guys navigate and have a better journey, like to have a better road. And I think it's really, you bring up a really important point. Like people see the finished product and they see the life, they see the, the, the successes, they say, but they don't, a lot of people until they've achieved mega success, then they sit down and they write a book and they tell you about all the tears and the heartache and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, well I'm just going to start now and tell you about all the tears and the heartache and the struggles because those don't ever, you just get wiser. Okay. And you can, you can pivot and learn and you have all of this experience in the past, but there are things that have happened. Everybody who's successful or anybody who's, who's older has had a lot of vast experiences and it's very rare that they share them unless they have achieved like a pinnacle or they, they, you know, either, you know, sold their company or they did something grand. And I'm thinking to myself, well, find the grandness in every day because it's the everyday stuff that if you have the little tips and tricks and advice on that, if you can save yourself the, um, I don't want to say the mistakes because I'm all for making mistakes. If you can save yourself the agony of some of those, uh, things that you have to go through by learning from somebody else's experience that they shared, why not make your life simplify, you know, uh, make it easier. And, I don't know that I was receptive. I'm sure people tried to tell me, but there wasn't that mentor that I could relate to. I had a lot of women in my life that really, really have helped me, continue to help me, but it wasn't like almost that real-time advice. And that's what I, you know, am bringing, is that real-time, yeah, that just happened to me last week and this is what I did to get out of it type of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, right. Or, well, that happened to me when I was 23. It, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm an open book, so you can ask me anything. Okay. Um, but we'll start with relationships, right? Because you said yeah. you wanted to talk about relationships. Well, actually, can we start with something else first? Because you, yeah. you brought up something really good. So you said you mentioned that you didn't start your first business. You didn't start getting into that until you got into your 30s. So I'd love to go into that. And why do you think you waited until you were 30? And why do you think you didn't create that at 20? So I'd love to go into that first. Okay, well, that's a really good question. I had a corporate sales job uh, in my 20s for most of my 20s, well, all of my 20s. Um, and I really loved it. I loved, I loved selling. I loved the relationship uh, that I had with clients. 
and I was very entrepreneurial. It was a very entrepreneurial type of job. I don't, I didn't realize it at the time, but the company basically gave you the infrastructure, but it was a very, very low base salary. And I was based on really what I produced and I developed relationships. Um, I loved the people I worked with. We had a lot of fun and it was a lot of people in their twenties. So we had, you know, it was a, it was a big social part of my, my life as well. But I didn't have the confidence in myself. Although I was the daughter of, um, and you know, my mom became an entrepreneur probably when I was in my 20s. She had always worked for other people as well. She didn't have the opportunity to become an entrepreneur right away. Um, and I watched, I had a lot of people around me that were entrepreneurs. So I was always intrigued and I could see it never bothered me that they worked all the time. It never bothered me like the typical things that you would think would bother you, but I didn't have the confidence. Um, and I was making for then a lot of money. So it was hard to leave. And once it was my daughters, my daughters were at an age where I didn't want to have the bind of a corporate schedule. And it was my daughters, like many decisions that I've made in my life that inspired me to make the change. And I really, I was filling a different purpose then. I wanted to make sure that I could be there for my children in a way that I wanted to be, not a way that a company told me I could be. So I really wanted to have that control. And so I became an entrepreneur. I think I was, how old was I, 36 maybe? Yeah, 30, 36 or 37 years old and I had two little kids. Um, but it, immediately when I did it, I was like, oh, I, oh, I love this. Like, uh, this is what I should have been doing. So does that answer your question? Yeah. But also like at 36, did you ever have like a block around your age? Like, am I too old to like start over? Is there anything new? Ne nothing like that came up. Girl, I'm 48 right now. <laughs> and I just started a YouTube You don't look 48. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> I, I. You know, I always felt really young inside. And what I think is really interesting is I no, I think mm -hmm. age is just a number. I definitely do a lot of things to keep myself youthful in a sense. I take really good care of myself. I um, take care of my body. I take care of my skin. I get enough sleep. I da, 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 all of that kind of stuff, which I didn't do in my 20s, by the way. In my 20s, I could roll in hot. Literally, we could go out all night long, okay? And I would get like two hours of sleep, running on adrenaline, 15 coffees later, and I'd show up and I thought I was doing a good job. I don't, I don't know that I really was, but I, no, I never considered myself limited by age because I had the privilege of watching my mother start her business at 40 years old. And she is incredibly successful and she started at 40. So I always thought like, okay. And my priority was always um, mothering my girls. Okay. That was always like the job that I, that I had that I signed up for. So all the decisions that I made were based around what was good for the overall family and I always knew that when the timing was right, the opportunity would come and I could feel it in my gut. I follow my gut a lot and I, I just knew that my timing was right. I don't know that my daughters would have had the same experience or even kind of be the people that they have matured into being if I, if I wasn't available to guide them in the way that I was because their dad, um, is also an entrepreneur and he worked, he was just, he worked all the time. So they, I knew that one of us needed to take that role. So in essence, I became the CEO of my family and I ran it like I run my business, you know, like there was structure, there was accountability, there was all that kind of stuff, a lot of love too, but, and a lot of, you know, tough conversations, but, I, you know, here I am in a YouTube world where I didn't even have social media until November. My, I think it was October, November. My publisher 
was like, okay, Joanna, now you have to get on Instagram. I'm like, oh shit, really? And then, and I was like, really? And they're like, we're publishing your book. Yeah, you need to have some sort of social media presence. I'm like, all right, all right, I'll do it. And once I just make a decision to do something, I just do it. And I started to, you know, mentor these 20 somethings. And then you popped up like more, you know, it just kind of the universe kept bringing me just the right fit and the right people. And it was just very easy and natural. So I don't know. I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I have 40, not I feel like I have 48 years of experience. I do have 48 years of experience, but I feel inside like a 20 something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense or not. And do you spend like a lot of time with 20 somethings or what do you think kept that inside of you? I think because they gravitated to me. Now I spend a lot of time with them, but, but even before, actually, that's a really good question. I didn't realize that I would take on young women that wanted to be entrepreneurs. And I would have like friends that were investors in, uh, in, in their businesses and say, you know what, I'll give them the, the start, the startup capital only if you advise them or advise this in one in this one case this wonderful young woman that i had the privilege of working with for over a year uh you know from concept to launch and all of that and i was just like wow this is just that was the funnest part of my week but i was also doing my own startup at the time so i didn't really kind of pay attention to that what i was doing and then it was uh, another family friend, like a young, uh, a young woman in her 20s that was trying to navigate and figure out what were the best options for her. She was the, be she was the first in her, in her family to go to college and she really wants to be a dentist. She is studying to be a dentist now. And it was like helping her and mentoring her. And I really, I just, I would enjoy it. I never would think that it was work. I just was always, um, up for it and now I looked at my calendar for this past week aside from filming I don't know where they come from the 20 somethings but like I'll help one and then it's like oh wait wait but I got your number from so-and-so do you have an hour and I'm like yeah what are you doing and if I if I gauge that they're not they're all serious it's not even true they're all serious like I had this incredible conversation with um, a young woman that was a customer of mine when I owned an on-demand nail app and I just, she's in her 20s and she wants to branch off on her own and start her own Pilates studio. And I've had a series of calls with her. So I don't know why. I, yeah, they just kind of pop up, you know? I don't know if it's like fate because I have a daughter who's almost in her 20s. She's uh, nine months younger than you are. And so I just really... My goal is to create something that you guys can have as a resource to have really good information that's not sponsored, that's not biased, it's just real life experience. And I want my daughters, when they're not with me, to be able to have that resource as well. And I don't know, that's, I don't know, they keep, you guys keep popping up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And like, what was it about 20s that drew you in? Like, what is it about like the whole 20s decade? Well, it's an interesting time in your life, right? So you're, and I think for you guys, and I think I said this to you when I was speaking to you, um, you I believe you guys live two lives, which we, I, I thought the 20s were really hard in, in my own 20s. And I lived one life, meaning I was just me. If we made a mistake, when I made mistakes, three or four people would know about it. If you guys make a mistake, there could be 2,000 people that know about it in three seconds. It's weird. So you live two lives. You have your life life that you live, your real life, and then you have your social presence life. And there's the real you, I think, somewhere in between that. And I can see it from my own daughters, just that pull uh, you know, one of them is definitely more active in the social media and one really isn't. And yet it's still the same. Your perception is reality, right? So I kept thinking, holy shit, like with all the stuff you have to deal with in your 20s, which you're really 
figuring out you not much not as much because you branched out on your on your own right out of the gate which is bold af okay amazing but most people are finishing college right and they're getting their first job so until then they've been told what to do there's the formula and this is pretty much your result will be within this range right and a lot of decisions are made and you guys have grown up with google and you are used to instant answers so to hear you say as a 20 year old i'm interested in the process the journey i'm all about the journey okay i'm all about the journey because the destination never comes Okay, you're always evolving and growing. And I didn't, I, in my 20s, I remember just wanting to get somewhere, achieve something, achieve something, achieve something. And I did achieve things in my 20s. And I became a mother in my late 20s. I was 29 years old. And then I could see the world in a completely different lens. But it wasn't this instant thing for me, Sophie. It wasn't like I saw the baby and then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, it was like, okay, I remember I, I emailed my vice president and I said, um, my water broke. I'm going to have this baby. I'll be back at work in a few weeks. My, I was very, still very career driven. And I remember when that, back then there were, I don't know if this happens out, but there was like a lactation nurse that would come by and like show you how to breastfeed. And I'm like, Okay, hi, hi, I'm I'm Joe, and I need to know how to do this like really efficiently because I'm going back to work, and that was like my MO. And I realized once I did go back to my corporate job that it was very, very different being a mother and balancing that. And I knew something had to give, and I didn't love doing either, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I made, a, and this is probably where my entrepreneurial spirit came from, I made a bold decision and I asked my company at the time, because it was after September 11th and they were going to furlough people, they were going to furlough people. They would call it RIF back then. I'm sure it's inappropriate now, but it's called reduction in force. And I remember going to my HR director and saying, lay me off and just, just lay me off. I know eventually this year I'm going to be laid off, lay me off now. And I stayed home. For the first time ever, I'd been working since I was 13 years old, and I didn't like that either. And I thought, well, what, what are my 20s all about? Like, here I am trying to achieve something, and then I become a mother at 29, and the whole thing is upside down. And then when, you're, when I was in my 30s, I made a whole new batch of friends, really great friends friends that I met from being a mom. And I was like, oh, this is a whole other phase of my life. So I feel like, to answer your question, why the 20s? The 20s are such a transient time in your life. And you have a lot of choices in your 20s that you might not have later on in life because of the decisions you make in your 20s. So for example, if you choose to become a mother, your decisions, your pool is different, okay? Or it could be. Not every mother is the same, but at least in my experience, and I'm surrounded by lots of them, typically you're going to have to make decisions based on the overall family situation versus the autonomy you have in your 20s. Then in your 40s, you really come into it, and it is fun, okay? Because, you know, you're, you got all this experience, and in most cases, you're a little richer, which is fantastic. So you can do more fun things, okay? And you're just a little bit more confident, but you still, in most cases, are, you know, either re-entering back into a career or your career's pivoted in a different way. And the 20s represents to me polar opposites. Your extreme freedom, and extreme non-freedom because the choices that you make like so there it's like this Jekyll and Heidi kind of time right so when you're when you're going through it the decisions that you make really lay the foundation for the rest of your your adult life and I kept thinking what if I had less stress in my 20s what if I 
was not as stressed? What if I was happier in those moments when I achieved something? Would I have gotten breast cancer when I was 47? Maybe not. Maybe if I had learned how to manage stress in my 20s, it wouldn't have piled up. And I am going to say, you know, I believe that stress is like the number one most horrible thing ever. And I was really stressed, even though like I had a, you know, a lot of success and I partied and I did really well. On the outside, I appeared to have everything. I, you know, met my husband when I was 25. We got married. I built this family. I had this career. I traveled. And I was in a constant state of where am I going next? And I think that it's really interesting because I wish I had the tools that I have now in my 20s because I just would have had a better journey. And I probably, you know, the destination is really irrelevant. It's the road that matters. Okay, Mm -hmm. because wherever you get to, you can always change your mind and go somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. But you can't change your experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, like to go back to that story of you're like, just lay me off. Like, <laughs> just lay me off with that employer. What, what do you think it was that made you that bold? Or what do you think it was that you're like, I'm going to be okay. Like, I know even if this doesn't work out, I know I always catch myself. I know there's always a net. I know it's always going to work out. Like, what do you think it was? Or you think it was like a combination of your kids or the situation or like, what exactly do you think it was that went into that? You know, I, that's a that's an incredible question, and I'm going to try to not tear up as I answer. But um, my dad was really sick while I was growing up, and my sister was growing up. And he was really, really sick, and he died when I was 16 years old. And that was really tough because it wasn't like that's tough in, on its own, but it was tough because he was so sick for so long. And I remember my godfather sitting behind me at his funeral. I was 16. I don't know, but I believed what he said. And he held my hand and he whispered in my ear, your dad could never help you from where he was. He was sick, he was paralyzed, but he is always going to help you from wherever he is now. And I don't know, Sophie, I believed him. I also then twofold have a really strong mother. And I watched my own mother handle impossible situations, not only come out on top, but even better. So she gave me, and she instilled in me and my sister that we could we could do anything. And and I she did. She's like a completely self-made person. Um I, I don't know. It was the combination of that boldness, like always feeling that I've got some sort of guardian angel that I'm always going to land on my feet. Like I'm a cat. I've got like nine lives and, and having that, but having the inspiration of my mother, which, you know, she and I had a very challenging relationship, Mm -hmm. um, up until recently, maybe because I'm realizing now that we were so similar. Okay. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for you to accept things in others that you can't, you can see in yourself, you know, maybe that, but, and it was that and the combination of me now having been a mother and a very young mother and that protective instinct kicked in. And I really don't care what anybody thinks about me, but I really care what my kids think about me. Okay. Like that to me matters Mm -hmm. a lot and they are my compass and they don't always I mean I'm their mom so (laughs) they give me a hard time and whatever so I care what I think about me and I care what they think about me and I must have had that seed when when I was 29 years old and I said Riff and I was looking at this little baby that I had no idea what I was doing it was like I was like what am I gonna do with her at home like what what Okay, like what what do you mean I'm not gonna go to work? I've always gone to work. And then I'm looking at this baby. I remember staring at her being like, now what? You know, and they have been my they have been my greatest teachers because I believe you raise the woman you want to become. 
and you you just I've done that and you know I've done that with one and she's kind of launched and then I'm I think I'm wrapping up with the other one <laughs> if, she if she doesn't kill me first but you know they're very they're both very opinionated they're both very strong-willed shockingly and I just they're they're my greatest teachers you know and um it doesn't always seem that way but i think that that combination of those three things so i believe foundationally like your parents no matter how old you are you will always have that influence and then because i became a parent so that's what gave me the balls to do that and i also had the support of my ex-husband which you know i i said to him i want to do this this is what my instinct is telling me and he would trust my instinct. You know, he, he was like, you have really good intuition. You just have to trust it. So as I started to trust that voice more and more in my 30s, that's where this um, maybe excessive confidence comes in. I don't know. Yikes. And I want to go dive deeper into your relationship with your mom and how you said it was challenging because you guys were so similar. Yeah. What, how did you come to that realization of like, this is challenging because we're so similar and to someone who's in a similar situation to that, what advice would you give them? Okay. Well, this is my mom always had and continues to have the highest standards for us, for me and my sister. And we had a tough life. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. My mom worked really hard to support my sister and she took care of my dad. She doesn't have any family in this country. She's an immigrant. She is the American dream, okay? But with that kind of thing comes a lot of toughness, okay? A lot of toughness. And I didn't appreciate, okay, the toughness because I felt like I knew everything. Okay, I did. I really felt like I knew better than her. And it wasn't until I started to see her as my peer, and that happened like really recently. So when I had breast cancer in 2019, I that was very healing for my mother, for my mother and I, because I got to see this kind of very soft, unconditional love side of her that she didn't have the privilege of showing us when I when she was trying to raise us because now that I'm raising two kids also as a single mother, I'm like, holy mo, this is a whole, like, you need to parent, okay? And you need to make sure everything is on par. That's what she was doing. And I can't imagine because I have tons of support. I have a beautiful family. I have tons of friends and so did my mom. My mom has incredible relationships and friends, but I also have financial stability, okay? And I'm still, and I still find it hard. So very recently, this past October in 2020, I had a revision surgery and she came to live with me and I hadn't lived with her since I was 17 years old, right? She came to live in my home and it was almost, like what I needed from her when I was a teenager and she just couldn't give me. Not because she didn't want to, but she just couldn't give me. She was working 12 hours a day. She was had to keep the lights on, the food on the table. She had to keep us. And I saw her in this different light and I just, it clicked for me. And I was like, wow, this woman really just is, she really did it all, okay? And there was this acceptance, you know, that, and I talk about this method that I have with acceptance, acceptance, gratitude, and movement. And I just accepted that our past was our past. And I was really grateful that I came from that stock, that that DNA was my DNA. Because I was like, Oh, she is tough as nails and I, and, and, and so am I, you know, and until I had gone through cancer and healed from cancer and I write in my book, I learned, I came from a strong woman and I learned that I am a strong woman. 
And I don't know, outwardly, I would show that in other parts of my life and people would think I would appear confident, but I didn't really feel that way inside. And it was like, my mom is a lioness. So I'm, I, I'm a lioness as well, but I actually called her today. I was on my way to get a manicure. And I said, I just, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that I come from you because, and I didn't have appreciation for her before because I hadn't accepted. I kept wishing that my, my childhood was different than what it was. So what does that do? That brings friction. It brings resistance. It brings denial. It brings resentment. All of those things will keep you going backwards, never forward. And so at the point where it was like a light switch went off and I had acceptance, I got to see her in these eyes with these eyes that are just, it's like new eyes. Like they gave me new boobs because I had breast cancer, but maybe I got new eyes with the new boobs. Maybe when I was, maybe when I was under, I got new eyes, Sophie. I don't know. I don't know. Does that help you? Yeah. And do you think, it was like a combination of your age and realizing this acceptance, or do you think you could have started that acceptance earlier on? Or do you think you needed that experience with her? No, I think I, sh I wish, and this is my message to everybody listening to you, to whatever. I, I say this in other times that I film, but I'm going to say it again, because this message is so important. If you want to change something about yourself, right? Like there's something that you want to change about yourself. Do you find it challenging to change yeah. something that's ingrained in you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So imagine how hard it is to change somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. It's never going to happen. We, I spent a lot of energy wishing that something was different. I could not see her for who she was because my own ego and my own needs were blocking me, holding me back. And that's not to say she didn't make her mistakes. Okay. But I make a million mistakes a day myself. I forgive and I expect to be forgiven. Okay. And so if I had seen my mother this way in my twenties, I, I don't, I, I, I would think that my, 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 Overall, everything would have been better. Okay. And she evolved. We're only 20. Oh, that's funny. We're only 20 years apart. So she had me. She's very young. She had me when she was very young. So we, I recently heard her say to somebody uh, that she didn't, you know, was the, one of her neighbors in, uh, in Florida say, this is my oldest, Joe. And they say, oh, you look so young. You look like sisters. And she said, I had her when I was only 20. We're very close in age. And then she said, I made all my mistakes on her. And I thought to myself, well, imagine if I had had my oldest daughter when I was 20. I, I, I don't even know that I would have fed her, to be honest. I would have been like in the club, you know? I don't know what I was, what, what was I doing, you know? And it was like, Oh my God. And maybe it's because I do have a child now that's almost the age of my mother when she had me. I just, the appreciation. So this is what I want to say to all of you guys. I want to shake you like this and say, no mother is perfect. No mother is perfect. But there is nothing like the love of a mother. And if you don't have that in your own mother right now, it's okay. Accept what you have right now. If you accept what you have and you're grateful from that, it will grow. And that doesn't mean the person will change. That doesn't mean the person's going to all of a sudden, but you're going to change how you receive the person because all we can control in life, Sophie, is our reaction to things. So I think about all the times I gave my mother shit. Like my mother would literally be like, hi, Joe. And I'd be like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, what? Hi, Joe. What is that even supposed to mean? Like my attitude sucked. So I couldn't even hear the good messaging. So if I had changed my attitude and I wasn't so defensive and thought I knew everything because I didn't and I don't, okay? 
I think my overall experience would have just been even more beautiful, but I don't look back, but that's why I'm sharing it with you guys. Okay. And that's why when I make mistakes with my kids, cause I do every day, I immediately apologize. My mother's Greek. Okay. She's Greek from Greece. She's like, what do you mean? Apologize for what? And, but that's their form of apology. So you have to accept that every generation is different too. Mm -hmm. What is it like with you and your mom? Oh, we're very close. That's very amazing. close. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, she's, done a, she's done an incredible job. Yeah. yeah. I would love for you to go into like raising the woman that you want to become. Like, I love that sentence. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, okay, I'm going to write that down. I've been taking down notes if you haven't yeah. noticed so much to ask you. Yeah, I've been writing down while you were talking. I was like, wait, ask this one, ask this one. So <laughs> this is one of the ones, but you know, what do you think? I have a couple of um, sessions that I filmed where one of the beautiful young women like yourself, she wrote me back a Word document with all the one-liners. And I'm like, oh, we can make t-shirts. Yeah. We could have merch. Um, <laughs> But the like woman, the woman you want to become, I will share that my daughters, so there's all these glimpses as they get older. And obviously I think you can tell that my heart is like bursts with love for them. But at the same time, nine out of 10 times, I want to kill them at the same time. So it's this like kind of like, you know, cause I'm still raising them. I'm not in that friend phase. I'm in the friend phase with the older one, but I'm almost in the friend phase with the younger one. Because there's different roles and there's different seasons and different times. But I think I'll, I'll give you two examples of, of why I, I thought that. Um, one is my younger daughter, uh, this past Valentine's Day. So she's 16 years old. She's turning 17 very soon. I had, this is the first year I've been separated from my husband. I was married, their dad for 23 years. And although it's an amicable separation, it's still, it's tough. Mm -hmm. And it was Valentine's Day. And although we had never separate, you know, celebrated Valentine's Day when we were married, which is probably why we are getting divorced, but no, I'm kidding. I shouldn't say that. There's plenty of couples that don't celebrate Valentine's Day and they're fine. But I felt really down that day and I was. I'm very open with my kids and I don't know if that's going to veer for better or worse, but I think one of the important things that, and especially as a woman that you can show other women is that it's not always perfect and to be vulnerable and it's okay to not be okay. And that's, I always had this veneer of like keeping it all together, keeping it all together. And yeah, cancer teaches you that you, a lot of things. And I, I was sad. And she came into my room and we sat down and she, a friend of mine had invited me over to her house to have dinner with her and her husband on Valentine's because, you know, it's kind of like, I'm sure the phone chain was like, who's going to get Joe today? Like who's, who's got Joe covered? Okay. Which is nice. I, I, I say, I actually write about this in my book. I use that Kanye West line, like all the time. Like I've been talking to God for so long. He's talking back with my click. Like, I have, and I believe the most incredible group of friends on the planet. And there's not one minute that I am not like, wow, how did that happen? And so my friend invited me over and I was having a hard time rallying. I just, I didn't want to get dressed. I didn't want to go. And my youngest daughter came in. She just said, you know, mom, once you get there, you're going to feel better. Okay. And even if you don't, this is a good friend of yours. And if you want to cry with her, you can. And it's going to be okay, mom. But like, you got to take the first step, mom. You're in a funk. And I looked at this little cherub, the 16 and a half year old. And I thought, that's the woman. That's the advice. That, that's the woman. You raise the woman that you want to be. So sometimes it was the younger woman that had to pull the older woman up. Okay. And it was so, that was a beautiful example. And I knew because I had always told them, I had given them that same advice, but I, I needed to give it back to myself because you don't always consider yourself first. You consider the other people. Okay. At least I did. My older daughter, when I was writing my book, I was six weeks post 
barely six weeks post-surgery. I had big surgery, uh, double mastectomy, uh, direct to implant. So that's a, that's a big healing kind of recovery thing. And I had started to write my book and I treated it uh, very business-like. I would get dressed up every day and I would go to the hotel lobby across the street and I would write down, I would work from this time to this time and I would write and I had a lot of words. I was, it was writing. And my oldest daughter came to me about six weeks into writing. So I had written a substantial amount of the book or that, that version of the book. And she said, you know, mom, uh, I hope your book is honest. And I'm like, what, what? Like, why would my book not be honest? And she's like, because I hear you crying every night in your bathroom. And I just, I, it's like I was looking in a mirror with her and that was the woman, I had raised the woman that I wanted to be. Somebody that at 18 years old had that kind of foresight. That I, at 47, wasn't willing to admit myself. And I took every word that I had written, Sophie, and I threw it away. And I started over. And that's when this book came out. And so I really, uh, I would catch them in those moments. And it's like, oh, that's, that's the, and they remind me to be a better woman because I have raised the woman that I really wanted to be. And they're not the same. They're, they're very opposite, okay? But at the same time, they both have their special spice. And I never try to make one like the other because I'm like, what's the whole point? Everybody is here to have their own journey. But I really, they are the best of me. And they, when you hear your own um, wisdom that you empowered them with to come back at you at that young age, I'm like, oh, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. So that's what I mean by raising the woman that you want to be. You don't even realize you're doing it. But because you want something so much better for your daughters than what you had, you end up raising the woman that you wanted, you want to be. And I, I look, I look up to them that way. And again, I want to kill them sometimes. I want just like the PSA. It's not like all like unicorns and rainbows and we're wearing these like little flower wreaths and everybody's loving it. It's sometimes it's like, not sometimes, a lot of times it's like, you know, I, my own mother comes back out and it's like, boom, boom, boom. But it's a, it's a balance and, and we're always learning. But does that answer your question about raising yeah. Yeah. And did you always have like that foresight before you had kids or do you think, or is there anything that you did intentionally to create that? I think that it wasn't, it was gradual. I definitely eased into being a mother. I did not enjoy having babies. I'll tell you that right now. I just didn't like it. And I'm like, am I missing a gene? Am I, am I missing a, even now when I see a baby, unless it's like one years old, I, Give me a toddler and I'm like, oh my God, they're my best friend. And I can sit and play games or whatever, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it was the lack of the ability to communicate and I'm such a communicator that I couldn't figure out. But I think I had the foresight with when my second daughter was born to relax into it and to really enjoy the moments. But, you know, my marriage was really tough. And it wasn't like it was tough at the end. It was always really tough. And I remember thinking, well, they didn't ask to be born. That was my choice and their dad's choice. And it doesn't really matter. They're here now. And I need to have some foresight and some thought and some methodical. Um, I want to give them the best possible experience that I, I want to give them the best possible experience and although things might be challenging and they're going to go through hard things which i think is really important to go through hard things i'm going to do my very best it's the same principle that i apply to my businesses and being an entrepreneur i always am going to do whatever i can in an excellent way and i took mothering extremely seriously that way 
but it took me a while. Again, it wasn't this instant, like what you see on Instagram, like when people are holding a baby and it's like 2.0. And I was like, if that, I think if Instagram was around when I was a new mother, I don't even know, Sophie. I don't know. I think the women in their 30s that have to listen to this stuff, look at this stuff, I'm like, I did not have any of those feelings. And obviously, I think you can tell that I'm a very devoted mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I did not have any of those feelings. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't really enjoy taking care of a baby. And I can admit that now. But once they got to be toddlers, I thought it was like the best. I, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I, I took them everywhere with me. They traveled all over the you know, a lot of places in the world with me, I would take them everywhere. And they would eat with me at very nice restaurants. So I've created these two, like, I'm like, oh my God, you guys are so expensive to feed. And they're like, that's your fault. <laughs> I'm like, what's I'm like, oh, we need to eat some street food too. It can't all be like, you know, but yeah. So I, I think it was a combination of easing into it and having that foresight. And it made me, being a mother made me a much better entrepreneur because you got to do a lot of things at once and not everything goes your way. That not, not everything goes the way you expect it to go and you have to pivot. I remember having a conversation with my oldest daughter when she was in middle school and saying to her, you know, she does like, she's very methodical, she's an artist, does one thing at a time. And I said to her, oh honey, you're a woman. You're going to be a woman. You don't have the privilege of just doing one thing and only one thing. Okay? You're a woman. And the I think women, by nature, are entrepreneurial because, and I think I read this and Deepak Chopra says it much better than I will ever say it, but you can grow a baby, cook a meal, take a conference call, and like mop your floor with your foot at the same time. Okay? Like, that's what we do. Okay? And so I said, no, no, no. It would be a disservice to you for me to tell you, yeah, just because even if you're working, when you're working, whatever, if your little baby or your toddler needs some water, you got to figure out how to give the water so nobody on the conference call sees that you're giving the water. That's what we do. I remember putting the girls in the bathtub with like Barbies and bubbles and music and me being on like a very big call. And me being like, okay, okay, and then I'm going to give you like, you can watch two Barbie movies after this. Bribery, bribery. <laughs> no shame. No shame in my game. And like going back to like, you realize that you were in this like constant state of stress. What's like some ways that you were able to get out of that constant state of stress? And what's some things that you learned about managing your stress that you wish you would have learned earlier? Okay, that's the best question. So I became a transcendental meditator at the age of 45 years old. If I had that in my 20s, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even think that there would be, I would be in a stratospherically more peaceful place I always, you know, listen, I always had faith. I always prayed. So it's not like all of a sudden, and then I've been talking to God. I don't remember not talking to God. Okay. Ever. So the transcendental meditation was the biggest game changer in my adult life. Okay. And it helped, it just helped me and it helps me not, it helped me because it's something you practice every day twice a day. I'm going to practice as soon as we get off this call. Once in the morning, I practice right when I wake up. And then I practice in the afternoon, depending on my work schedule. I think that that is one of the biggest, that's, that's one thing that I actually can do like a tool. The second thing is forgiveness. I wish that I forgave myself for the mistakes that I had made. I wish that I forgave others without holding on and wondering why. I wish that I didn't need an explanation for why things happened. Sometimes you just don't understand why something happens. You just move on, okay? And I stayed in a, a negative space often 
to kind of punish myself because I needed to know the why. I needed to get to the root. I needed, but sometimes there is no root. Sometimes there's just something dead that falls over and the root died a long time ago. And you keep digging and digging and digging and there's no root, but you're exhausted. And I wish that I had relinquished judgment. Like one of the things I'm very diligent about now, when the judgy voice creeps up, like I just don't judge, I don't judge other people. I realize that everyone, you know, by nature I'm a centrist and I can see multiple angles, but I was a very much uh, an outspoken, this is the way it is type of thing. And I realized that maybe that's the way it is for me, but there are a lot of flavors and I'm not everybody's flavor and not everybody's my flavor, but I can still look at that flavor and be like, that's a beautiful flavor. I don't need to eat it, but I'm going to move on. And it just accepting it for what it is. So I think acceptance, and that's the method that I teach, acceptance, gratitude, and movement can get you, that will change your 20s, like right away. Just accepting things for what, and, and obviously I think you can tell, it's not like I'm a super passive person and I'm just like, okay, and I let things, I do things, I get things done, I I have goals, I said, but at the same time, when something doesn't go the way that I wanted it to go, I don't perseverate and try to figure out, unless there's some glaring lesson at that moment that I can take away, I know that the lesson will be revealed to me at a different time. And I don't expend a lot of energy trying to figure it out right then and there. If it's not obvious to me within a couple of days, I park it. And I say, I'll understand why in the future. Like cancer taught me that. Like when I had cancer, I, you know, I never asked why. I remember sitting with my friend, Sarah, who I used to talk to when she was in her twenties and she's in her early thirties now, but I would, that would be one of the people I met in my, in, in their twenties. And I remember sitting and eating at this like nice, like vegetarian organic cafe right before my surgery. And I just remember looking at her and she said to me very wisely, we don't know why this is happening, but something will be revealed to you why. And this will, this will, your why will be really big. And I said, Sarah, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but I never wondered why. I know that something will come out of this. And if I had never had cancer, I never would have written my first book. I'm working on my second book now. That book never would have turned into this YouTube channel. You know, that book didn't turn into the YouTube channel, but it never would have brought me the women that, you know, were interested in the, the principles and the teachings of the book and the tools. And I wouldn't be here doing really what I know for a million percent sure is my life's purpose. It's complete passion for me. I believe that it's too late when you, we wait for somebody to get sick. I believe we're a stressed out culture and it is a moral responsibility and a call to action really for women like that can, that have, I find myself in a unique place where my kids are almost ready to launch, to go down and Go beyond the 30s to the 20s and lay those seeds of healthy living and foundation because you can be extremely successful and not be stressed, okay? And I want everybody to have their dreams come true and have a beautiful life and all of that. And there's going to be challenges, but handling those challenges better in your 20s will, is just on a cellular level going to help you. And that, And that's, I know that that's my life's purpose. I thought... I thought it was my life's purpose. I, you know, I, when I had launched my uh, mobile Manny app to help women become entrepreneurs that were nails techs that didn't have money necessarily to start open their own store. I really wanted to build a software to connect to the customer with the entrepreneur. And my whole mission in that company and my whole purpose was to help women have a better quality of life. And that, you know, I, I stopped that. I don't, I didn't do that. I did it. I did proof of concept, but you'll read in the book why that didn't, you know, I didn't continue it. I chose to not continue it. And then I realized I had that aha moment when I started to have all these women that I mentor 
realizing that that is still my same purpose to, to help and to connect women have a better experience that's what i was trying to do with that software but it wasn't the right fit for me and so here i am and can we go into like that moment when you got your diagnosis like were you ever worried or were you ever like kind of like freaking out about it or were you just like it's going to be okay. Or like, can we go through that whole story? Yeah. And I write this in my book. So my book is really interesting because it, it's geared towards helping somebody through a, through a diagnosis, because that's what the publishers are like. We have a clear audience, but it's really about self-love and it's the tools. And it's uh, a snapshot of that 10 week period between my, the phone call, which is exactly what I'll tell you about that between the phone call and the surgery table. That's right. And I, and I read a little prologue at the end after, but it's a snapshot in time of how to get some, through something really hard and how to accept something that you really don't want to accept. But if you don't accept it, you can't get through it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that moment when I got the phone call will be etched in my memory forever. It, it was as if I wasn't in my body and I don't know that I was. I feel like I had left my body and I was watching myself and I knew, and I go through all the steps in the book. I, I, of course I had moments of complete fear, but I knew always that I was, that this was teaching me something. Okay. I knew I didn't want to learn the lesson. So I knew that if I had continued and, and reacted to the cancer, the way I had reacted to everything hard that had happened in my life until that point, that even though I had the best doctors, I believe on this planet, okay, that I was so privileged, so fortunate to be in these hands. There's a lot of incredible teams out there, but my teams, I mean, I, also, I often, I, re I refer to them as unicorns, okay? Like they're just, they're unbelievable on every level. I knew that if I didn't connect with myself, because I was so splintered inside, like it was the persona that you would see, and then there was how I really felt. I knew that if I didn't get aligned and I was on that table, that those doctors didn't have a shot. I knew that the cancer was just a result of everything that I had been feeling for so long. And I can talk about that now with you because I'm cancer free and whatever, but. I lived with that tumor for 10 weeks. That doesn't really happen. Usually, you know, you push, you go through, you're not, and I wasn't pushing. I knew that if I sped through that, and listen, I had the privilege because I had something that was not, you know what I mean? Like I could wait, you know, that time. I know some women, they get the diagnosis and they have to go in right away and that's a whole different. So I don't want to even begin to, imagine what those women feel like I, I my heart goes out to them every every single person every diagnosis everything is different but the feelings are they're similar and that's that's really what i didn't want another woman ever to get that diagnosis and not have a friend that knew exactly how she felt holding her hand and that's what the book does mm -hmm. and i because i couldn't find something at that time i read a lot of books and I do read a lot of books and I, and I listen to podcasts and all that stuff, but I couldn't find that one thing that was just a centrist kind of point of view. It wasn't the extreme, um, pray it away. And it wasn't the extreme scientific, but I'm like, what if you're, what if you're in the middle? What if you are going to do what the doctors tell you, but you also have deep faith? What, what, what happens to that person? You know? And I was that person and uh, I had the privilege and I actually just spoke to her now before I started to film with you. I had the privilege of um, having a friend of mine say to me, listen, my friend just got diagnosed. She's three weeks behind you. Will you, will you help her? And I'm like, help her. I can barely help myself. Like, what are you talking about? I can't even get out of bed some days. Right. And I said, all right, I thought about it. And I would try stuff out. She saved my life because I would try stuff out on me. And then I would call her and I'd be like, hey, Tanya, try this. It really works. Okay. Emotional stuff, health of everything. 
And when she was about to go into her surgery, she said, you got to write this stuff down. And then it was my ex-husband who said to me, you're a great writer. You're a great communicator. You've always wanted to write a book. This is it. So anyway, that's, that's, so the feeling was paralyzing, fearful, outer body, scary, and very um, different than anything I have ever felt. I can't compare it to anything because it has its own unique title. <laughs> and it, it was a huge teacher, a huge teacher. And what were some of those things that you learned from it? I learned that I had to forgive myself and be very vulnerable. I learned that the veneer and the facade that I was putting on and the image that I wanted everybody, including my own family members or my children, I wanted everybody to, to I wanted my life to appear. I was almost, not almost, I was speaking in wishes. I thought if I wished it enough that it would happen, but my, my actions were not aligned with my purpose. And I knew that all along. I was always splintered, that splinter feeling that I was talking about. Like I would go through the motions and I would do things, but I knew that they weren't, it wasn't the right thing for me. I knew that it was inauthentic. Um, and I was in a relationship that wasn't the right relationship for me and, and for him, I think. I can't speak for him, but for both of us. And I really wanted it to work. And I, you know, didn't accept that it wasn't working. And that caused a lot of pain and strife in my, in my inner turmoil. And one of the things that I learned right away was that cancer is like a magnifying glass because you have to focus all of your energy on getting well. Everything else that's not working in your life it like kind of falls off naturally. And it became very clear to me the relationships in my life that were working. And I didn't worry about the relationships that weren't working anymore. I had spent a lot of time and energy worrying about why something, like what I said before, why something wasn't working. And I didn't worry about that anymore. I just, I was sad, but I accepted it and it was a natural progression. And I knew, although this is very personal, obviously, I knew, although we didn't separate until June, I knew the morning of my surgery that my marriage was over in November. I knew, I knew in my gut, and I still went back and tried and, you know, he's, he's a really good person as well. And we're probably like the best divorced people in the world. I don't know. We're much better. We're not divorced yet, but you know, I, I really want the best for him and I would never have my girls if it wasn't for him. And I think he really wants the best for me. And I think that if we hadn't been together so long as I grew up, I grew up with him, you know, like I was only 25 when I married him. And I, so I think that that's what cancer taught me. And this is when this guy, we have to wrap up now. Oh, and I didn't, I, I mean, so this is Douglas, Sophie. And Hi. Yeah.